All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Insight Pint, where we take members from Alberta's political world, have a quick drink with them, and just talk shop and talk about what's going on. And as we're approaching the end of the uh, main part of the campaign and start getting into the uh, final stretch here, we're continuing our interviews down in the city of Calgary, and we have uh, thought of no better person to go with today than uh, Councillor Jeff Davison. How are you doing today? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty great. have no complaints. Thanks for coming on. How's the campaign been? It's been excellent. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's a big push. Uh, it's a big city. Yep. It's, it's been excellent, you know, talking to Calgarians and getting out there and, and talking about why we're running has been honestly the most uh, humbling and uh, just cool experience of my life. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to chat about it. But before we cause go into that rabbit hole, I figured why don't we talk about the uh, beer we have on today? Well, that's the important stuff. Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, I mean, that's why we're here. I mean, you don't just sit around midday on a Wednesday and not have a beer. <laughs> well, I have selected for us Wild Rose, and we're not going to talk about the political party. We're going to talk about the beer. I mean, you know, and I picked Barracks Brown because, you know, it's funny, growing up in that area, it, it all used to be military base. And, you know, Canada Lands Corporation came in. It is a fantastic garrison. Is a, it's just a beautiful inner city community now, you know, it, which never existed. 30 years ago. And, you know, the one piece that's left is the Wild Rose Brewery. And even though they got acquired by Sleeman's in 2019, it's still that local little place. It's the old kind of, you know, it looks like an old garage in the middle of a brand new community going in and around. And it's that one cool piece of community you want to keep. They're just, to me, one of the, you know, the early stage uh, small microbrews that started and went big and have always been true to who they are. And so, I'm uh, I'm happy to support them as a local business and be pouring them today. Awesome. I love it. I grabbed, uh, I wasn't able to find the uh, brown ale, actually. I found the uh, electric avenue. So I figured, ah, why not? It's a nice light well, beer for a Wednesday. We don't send the uh, the good stuff to Edmonton, no offense. Ah, that's okay. We do the same with ours anyway. So it's a fair trade. <laughs> just, just kidding. We do. We appreciate your business and everything you do, Edmonton. <laughs> right back at you. Well, cheers. Thanks for coming cheers. on. And we'll get right into it. This is great. I like any podcast. You can have a beer and have a conversation at the same time. It actually makes the conversation go way better. It 100% is. And that's kind of where the theme of this came in, really, because I was talking with a few people and we kind of said that what, who, if you could have the chance to sit down and have a beer with in politics, who do you want to chat with? And to be honest, the first people that came to my mind were sort of the people that I didn't really align with politically, just because I thought it'd be great to actually get a sense of who they are, why they think the way they do and get a little bit out of my own uh, echo chamber because i mean especially now in the age of social media we all have it mm -hmm. well it's it, it's an interesting thing about politics right it's um you know we're experiencing a little bit of ourselves going through this ourselves you know you've got a number of councils running some of us friends some of us not you know you've got other orders of government that are pe running people and you forget at the end of the day everybody runs for their own reasons everybody supports who for their own reasons but first and foremost you know people your friends and and you want to see your friends succeed and i think when it comes to politics we're we're so we're so busy judging politicians on the basis of what we heard on the nightly news or what is in the columnists that day. And it's amazing what you find out about people when you actually stop to, to send a note and say, Hey, I saw this. I disagree with it, but what's your stance on this? And then you get a conversation going and often, and I would say more than 95% of the time, people are like, thanks. I didn't know that. That's, that's important to know. Well, and obviously you saw it as well. I saw on your Twitter, you had responded to the Rick Bell article that came out about your attendance at one of your uh, co-counselors uh, nomination or uh, campaign kickoff events with the uh, yeah. liberals. And 
I mean, I, I honestly, I found your response fantastic simply because we do seem to forget that politicians are people outside of politics as well. And we have relationships, we have friendships and the partisan line doesn't really mean much when it comes to that. And it was sort of, I, I don't want to use the word funny. I don't think that's appropriate, but it was interesting to read that article basically, especially with municipal politics where we don't have partisan labels. We don't have conservatives. We don't have liberals. We don't have NDPers, but he was very quick to try and jump on and call you a liberal and define you, even though you were just there supporting a friend at the end of the day. Well, it's easy to do, right? And, you know, in the absence of having strategy or planning, you want to erode other people's character to make you look like you're something you're not. And, and, and that happens in politics. You know, I get asked all the time, people say to me, they're like, what is the best and worst thing about your job? And, and I always answer the same thing. The best part of my job is getting to go to work every day doing something different, but knowing that everything I do impacts citizens in a positive way for a better Calgary. The worst part of my job is politics because politics get in the way of good people running. They get in the way of you know, good decision-making. They get in the way of providing security and certainty around assets and programming that citizens desire. And you know, when I think back and I think really about why one of the reasons I got involved in this race, it all boils down to leadership. You know, at the municipal level, you don't have the luxury of picking the provincial or federal government you work with, which you depend on them, right? And, and the yeah. biggest thing we've seen is a lack of investment in Calgary, in particular from the federal level, because when there's no win for people, they're not going to invest here, right? And, and that doesn't matter if it's things like the event center, which we can, you know, I'd happily be talking about with you. It, you have to give a, a reason for people to want to invest, not need to invest. It's the same as when you create a city where people want to live. You have to you have to create a scenario where people want to be there, not need to be there in today's day and age. And you sort of already touched on a few things I want to get to. So I appreciate you reading my mind there. It makes my life a heck of a lot easier. So why don't we just get right to that? Because I know in Calgary right now, uh, the report I had last seen in June was that there was a 9.2% unemployment rate in the city right now, which obviously is a mixture of COVID and the recession and everything else going on. And we're trying to get that back. But going through your platform, you had said that over the next two years, just using the new business diversification diversification tools, sorry, that the city has, there could be 80,000 new jobs if every business had one new position open up. So I guess just elaborating on that, what are those uh, tools that you had in mind? Well, I think, you know, it's everything from how do you support small business and move them forward. But, you know, when you think about the city of Calgary, small business is the largest employer in our city, right? And we put that into context by saying, if you don't have the right regulatory environment that supports small business, which includes a low tax jurisdiction, um, but it also includes, you know, the ability to hire at a reasonable rate and supply people into the market, you won't be successful, right? Like our job at the city is to, to make sure that we stand up small businesses and we, we're behind them. We're there to help them, not hinder them. And I think for too long, we've kind of started getting in the way of small business. And so one of the reasons I started the business advisory committee was to do just that. How do we start working with local businesses to start thinking about how do we change the regulatory environment to see people thrive? And so through COVID, we did things like let's extend patios because we know restaurants, for instance, and bars could have more people outside. If we could give them the space, that means maybe 10, 15 more customers, but that might be the difference between breaking even that night or not. Thinking through the process of just trying to be nimble. Business licensing is a great example. You know, restaurants used to have seven different types of designations for business licensing. Recently, we moved that to two. It's all about simplification of standing small business up because we, we here in Calgary are very entrepreneurial, right? We, we take those challenges on and we move, but we have to enable entrepreneurialism and, and the city has to be there to help you unlock that power to stand things up quicker. 
Um, it's, it's funny though, because it's not just in Calgary all about small business right now. You know, when we think about a changing economy, we've been talking about, you know, diversification for decades, right? And it, it always makes me laugh a little bit when others talk like tech and our, our, our economic recovery are kind of like magic. They're going to happen, right? Well, no, they're not. It requires steadfast, hard, hard work to make that happen. And that's what I've been doing over the past four years, you know, is standing up technology opportunities here in Calgary. And so thinking about how do we look at things like agriculture and solving some of the world's biggest problems with food and sustainability. Technology is a big key to that. Thinking through things like logistics and transportation, uh, things like uh, manufacturing, uh, aerospace, all of those things, right? We can be an energy city too, and that's going to play a huge component of where we go forward, sort of unlocking the power of the next generation of energy. We have the talent, we have the private sector that's already investing in those things. Now we want to accelerate that. And to do that, I mean, we can boil it down. I'll really get into my talking points now. But I mean, <laughs> it's, not as, it's not as simple as sort of saying, we should be doing this. Um, what the things we should be doing are, is pushing forward the strategies we have in place. And thinking about how we move from strategy to execution is really the stage we're at. Because I believe that over the past four years, I have helped set the groundwork for Calgary's biggest recovery in our history. And our recovery is not guaranteed without the right type of leadership because we don't have time to sit around and rethink strategy in a world where talent, uh, investment, uh, opportunity are all extremely mobile, right? You have to think about how do you create the environment where people want to be, not need to be, you know? Oh, absolutely. And kind I can of just talking. talking if you want, you know. <laughs> hey, the like more you talk, people are here question. People are here more for, so for you than they are for me. So you're welcome to talk as much as you like. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's, it's a big problem, right? And it, it, we have to recognize that it's not just a problem that's here in Calgary, right? Edmonton, you guys are experiencing the same thing. You're seeing a lot of young people leave our jurisdictions to go to other places like, you know, Toronto, Vancouver, and they're not going there because it's cheaper. They're not going there because the value proposition is the lowest common denominator or the race to the bottom. They're going there for different opportunities, a different way of life. And that's what we have to think about. So I break it down into four pillars of really what I think my campaign and, and, and the economic strategy that Calgary has adopted in recovery, uh, which I was you know, foundational in, in, in helping push through to council. You have to think about place, right? So thinking about, and you know, again, we'll talk about this, the event center. What does it do to build place? You know, what type of environment are you creating to have people live, work and play in? That matters. And it matters more than the tax conversation when it comes to moving large scale business headquarters to Calgary. Uh, it's business environment because it does matter to those same companies that we do have a low tax jurisdiction. But more importantly, the business environment is what also enables affordability in our city. And that's ultimately what their employees are looking for is good amenities and affordability. But then you have to couple those things with talent and innovate or talent and innovation. Um, you know, on the innovation side, we used to think, I mean, you know, we're probably the same age or you look much younger. I'll just give you that credit. But, um, <laughs> You know, we used to think about technology as a sector, right? Like when you talked about tech to your parents, it was like, oh, you're going to work on the cell phones and do stuff, are you? And it was like, no, mom, that's not what I'm going to do, right? Now technology is in everything from, you know, like I say, agriculture, aerospace, manufacturing, logistics, energy. These are all the things that we have that are not just an advantage to Calgary, but if you think about Calgary and Edmonton together as uh, really an innovation corridor, that's a huge component of the win for Alberta and for our individual municipalities. The key to it, though, is talent. 
And the first question these big companies ask when we move them here, it's, not, it's almost never about rent. It's almost never about taxes. It's always the same question. I will set up my headquarters here with a thousand employees in the next two months. But in the next 24 months, I want to know that I can grow to 4,000 employees. It's that incubation and talent that we need to get ahead of, right? And so you think about how other jurisdictions have led recovery. Kitchener, Waterloo, Austin, Pittsburgh, like great examples of where you had the local level government working and creating initiatives and tools that were unique to the jurisdiction. They were supported by the provincial or state level governments. And, you know, often that's through sort of large taxation sort of breaks like we have here. We've got the lowest corporate tax rate across the country. You think about where the private sector then plays into the conversation about investing as well. But most importantly is the key piece, and that's the post-secondary institutions. Understanding that your post-secondary institutions are turning out the level of talent required to sustain and grow these companies is absolutely key to bringing them here. Well, in that respect as well, knowing that the post-secondary side of things falls under the provincial mandate, how, what role do you see the new mayor coming in having in working with the provincial government? Because, I mean, we're going to have an election in 2023. We may or may not have the same government we currently have. But in those two years in between, what is it going to take from, I guess, in this case, both the mayors of Edmonton and Calgary and the other regions that have large uh, post-secondary institutions to make sure that, hey, we want our students coming here, but we also want them staying here to build their careers? Well, you know, ultimately, it's the collaboration piece, right? And, and you've heard this, for, and I've seen it on your show. Everybody wants to talk about collaboration like it's, you know, again, this magical thing that's going to happen, right? Collaboration is just leadership. And again, you know, you go back to the first question we talked about. We don't have the luxury of picking the provincial or federal government, right? You have to work with who's there. The key to it is creating a partnership. And so when you think about partnership, how do we demonstrate that? Well, it, it's getting people involved in exactly what your goals are, right? Because often they're their goals too. And so when we think about, you know, think about like the event center is a good example, right? People say to me all the time, oh, great job, Jeff, you got that done. I didn't get that done. I led getting that done. But I had to convince other members of council to say yes to that program. Saying yes to that program meant I had to get them invested in that project because the win had to be about them too, right? The win is not for any of us. The win is for Calgarians. That's what you're after doing. It's the same thing we have right now with the provincial government and thinking about how do we create a thriving tech economy? It's not about who the party is of the day or the bipartisanship that many will, will have us fight about, right? Like you can't continue to... Uh, intentionally antagonize other orders of government and then stick your hand out and expect their support, right? You have to be able to say, like, Infosys, a great example, right? Emphasis, another example. It, it was the push of the city and the relationships that we have in Calgary that got those companies paying attention to moving to Calgary, and it was a three-year push. But you ask yourself, why was it important to have the premier help make the announcement? Because it has to be their win, too. We have to get them invested on economic recovery, because municipalities cannot do it alone. I don't care who gives you what magic beans, it's never going to happen. You need to have the province working with us. You need to have the federal government. You need to be supported by the private sector. And most importantly, you need to have the, the post-secondary institutions working lockstep with you to turn out talent that matters to the companies you're bringing in. Well, and I think a lot of people don't really realize in terms of the logistics of it that municipalities are actually a creation of the provincial government. They aren't just something where a bunch of people show up and say, we live here now, this is a municipality and we're going to work with the government. It's, hey, 
the province has to approve it. The province says, okay, it's not working anymore. We're dissolving you, which we have actually seen. So I don't think people really appreciate the relationship that is there and how important it really is. And I mean, going back over the last two years, the relationship, I mean, obviously you've been there on the front lines. You've seen what the relationship with the province has been like. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I spend a lot of time actually talking to grade six students because they're, we've gone back into the education system where we're learning about other orders of government. Kids are actually in school from grade six to 12 now in social studies, learning about what do the levels of government do? Yeah. And for a long time, I think people forget that because I get calls all the time where people say, I've got a problem with my kid's school. And I'm like, well, but we don't deal with schools or the city. That's a provincial matter. And often the conversation is, yeah, well, it's in the city's jurisdiction. So why don't you do something about it? And it's like, because you elect people at all orders of government that are responsible for various things. But yes. at the municipal level, you're the closest to them, right? You're, you're, you're easy to get a hold of because they see you in the media all the time. They see you out in the community all the time. And so you become that local level representat- representation that ultimately seemingly is responsible for everything when it's not. And, and that's created some challenges, right? So uh, that's why I think we have a lot of conversation around why does partnership matter? Because, you know, COVID, COVID was a great example of, I don't want to find things out from the province and the media, right? I want to be your partner. I want to know what we need to do so that we can react as a municipality proactively with the province, not wait to hear about it and then have to chase it for two weeks, right? That's a good example of things we need to work on together because at the end of the day, it's all about serving citizens better and every order of government needs to remember that. And kind of going back to your last four years as your first term in council, I mean, obviously there's no way you could have predicted that COVID was going to be a thing as it was, but I mean, you talk a lot about the leadership and the collaboration side of things. What did you see during your time as a councilor that made you say, you know what, I've done my time here. It's time to try and take that next step. Well, to be honest, I mean, I think we get, we get hung a lot with, uh, you know, things are dysfunctional. Are they that dysfunctional? And we tend to allow the characteristics and actions of a few people determine the overall actions of a city council. Uh, and, and that's not accurate, right? I think to me, you know, when I think about making the jump, uh, it's when you think about getting reelected in a ward, um, often incumbents are returned with great ease, right? It's never simple. Um, it's never straightforward. And, and you never take that for granted. Um, But that's the reality of elections. So for me, taking the risk and wanting to run for mayor, it was really two things. You know, I really do believe that COVID aside, Calgary was was in need of a recovery anyway, right? We've been kind of disproportionately affected in Edmonton as well. I mean, I don't want to exclude you there. You know, we've had a global economic downturn. We have had COVID-19 on top of all of that. But disproportionately, the the downturn in the energy industry here has affected both municipalities disproportionately than almost any other jurisdiction in North America, if not globally, right? Everybody has been dealing with those other things. We had this on top of that. And so for a long time, I have been working on strategies and initiatives to help set the table for our recovery. But when you stand back and you think about it, Calgary is going to have major turnover in city council this time. 10, maybe 11 members of council will be turning over. It's the largest turnover in our council's history. Recovery is not guaranteed. And when I started looking at the players, you know, it's great to have folks from the outside come in and say, this council's got to go. Well, we're going to get that anyway. Change is happening whether we want it or not. It's all about how do we manage change. And in setting the table, I think, for our greatest comeback in history, over the last four years, I put together the downtown strategy, the rivers district strategy, the economic strategy, and not just put these things together, 
had had council support them almost unanimously. It's bringing projects like that together, bringing confidence to the city, bringing uh, security and certainty to people who want to invest in our city and stay in our city. It's all those things that without the right leadership wouldn't be here. And I'm not interested in turning Calgary into Detroit, to be quite honest. I have three small people at home that I want to have opportunity here. You know, I'm, I am fortunate enough to be born and raised and now living in the ward I represent. And that doesn't mean I haven't been around the world or things like that. I don't want people to think I haven't left my own backyard, um, but it's unique. And, you know, I'm Calgary through and through. And the thing about Calgary is that we have always been a city of open doors and open opportunity for everyone. If you think about, you know, the, Folks that have come from over 150 countries to, you know, now 120 languages spoken in Calgary. I mean, Calgary is the third most diverse city in Canada, and we want to keep growing that way. And to me, that means we've always been a place of open doors and open opportunity for everyone. And if we want to continue that push, we have to have the right leadership. Um, and, and that's just where it, it all boiled down to change for me. You know, it's thinking through uh, what do opportunities look like. And, and again, in particular, when we're seeing a massive amount of young people leave our city, uh, it tells me that it's not just about cutting taxes. It's about what is the overall environment we're trying to create and build here in Calgary that's going to sustain people here and keep attracting them here. And if you think about our economic strategy and, and how technology plays into it, and where we could be as a city, in the next 10 to 15 years, if we're successful at turning our downtown around, if we're successful in our economic strategy and growing the way we think we are, Calgary is going to be a city of 2 million people. And we have to start proactively thinking about how we're going to deal with being a city of 2 million people. You have to think through that. A lot of those people aren't moving all here from Edmonton. You know, we're not moving 500,000 people here. It's going to be through immigration, right? And, and people coming again from all over the world because of that one thing, opportunity, right? The word opportunity has been synonymous with Calgary for, for decades. And we want to keep it that way. And kind of going back to one point you mentioned earlier, trying to drive that energy sector here in the city of Calgary is that I was looking at your platform. It's really cool to see that it sort of acknowledges the importance of ONG to still be in Calgary, but at the same time, still looking to the clean sector and everything else to try and diversify that a little bit. And it, it was interesting because it was the first real time I've seen a good sense of balance. And I mean, everybody has it, but you kind of dive into that as a really key pillar of your platform. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I spent 20 years in energy, right, and oil and gas. And I think, you know, going forward, uh, it is in particular uh, one of those areas where, again, you know, you think about the amount of money that's being invested by the private sector into energy. And if you think about every oil company out there today doesn't want to be an oil company for the next five years. They want to be an energy company for the next 200 years. And so they're investing in innovation and technology. The key is we need to create a world where we have sustainable, affordable energy to meet the demand that we're going to see across the globe. Part of that is that, you know, again, when we talk about relationship, when we talk about partnership, we need a partnership with the federal government to pay attention to Calgary because we have the talent and expertise here to lead the energy file forward for, for not just for our country, for the globe and getting them to pay attention to invest those billions of dollars into clean and green technologies here locally is not just important because, you know, the average oil company out there today, you know, the large ones will tell you, look, we've laid off thousands of employees, but we've managed to triple production, right? Those jobs aren't coming back. So we need to move those people into other facets of energy to grow, not just the industry, but to grow the talent pool as well and keep people employed. Yeah, no. And the one thing that I kind of caught as well is 
again, I might need a little explanation on this, but I saw the word clustering quite a bit in the platform. And I'm just not personally very familiar with that term. So what does that look like for diversification in the city? Well, I mean, when when we talk about clustering, it's... I think the hard part is trying to boil it down to words that are sort of, you know, digestible, right? I mean, ultimately, (laughs) it's how are we going to bring together all of these different things that are going on, right? And how are we going to incubate not just the jobs, the talent, but bring these companies together? And so through cluster development, it's more thinking about, can you become an incubator of, you know, startups? Can you become an incubator of talent? And how do you move those things together? Sorry for that loud thing. I think my daughter wants access to Minecraft. Um, it happens like every time I get on a podcast, it happens. It's like, how's the time I need to get on Roblox? Dad, can you approve this? And I'm like, no. Being dad's um, not a nine to five gig. <laughs> well, neither's a counselor, as I found nope. out. So, uh, yeah, no. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, that those are the things that you're trying to group together is, again, it's not just talking about technology being a sector. It's about where is technology landing and how are we becoming that sort of trusted partner, that leadership piece. Uh, and then, you know, providing the right environment for the investment that's needed in technology to move the needle on where we want to go as an industry. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So, no, thanks for explaining that. So I don't know I that I did, of... but all right. <laughs> you did again. It worked for me. Uh, so I know you sort of been itching to get at. So let's talk about the uh, event center really quickly, just because obviously that's been in the news a little bit lately. We've got a new deal that's been approved. Construction is supposed to be beginning at the beginning of 2022. So things are finally going to get moving forward. And obviously you were a big proponent of that. So how does it feel finally uh, seeing that cross the finish line? You know, it, it, this is a good example of, you know, when you're running for these jobs, um, you know, getting things done isn't as easy as it ever seems and it requires partnership and it requires commitment. It requires having sometimes confidential conversations with private sector partners. Uh, But I can tell you, I'm ecstatic that we're moving this forward. And it's not because, you know, I used to joke with Ken King all the time. He'd be like, you you like hockey, right? Like you, you like this stuff and blah, blah, blah. I was like, can I can't skate? And he was like, (laughs) and he was actually floored that I couldn't skate. I'm like, no, I'm not doing this for the hockey deal that's that's a hugely important piece of the story right i mean that's a big impact is having a major sports team on your economy right like that that matters moreover what matters is the ability to create the entertainment and cultural district that we've always desired right like and covid has really highlighted how we have to do things differently you know a lot of people during covid would say why are we continuing to make this space we don't even know if we're going to go and see live events anymore and i think the thing we've learned through covid first of all is that we crave engagement, we crave entertainment, we crave togetherness, and we will find a way to get back to doing those things. Secondly, it was about bypassing our city, right? We were tired of seeing concerts and main stage programming, just walk past Calgary and no offense to Edmonton. I mean, but (laughs) you guys had the facility for it and it makes sense as to why it goes there. But when we start losing those opportunities to places like Saskatoon, that's a bit of a kick, right? And that means there's something there that has to change. So fundamentally, the, the idea was to always take the new event center and anchor it into the middle of a community where we could actually build community, right? If we think about our, our overall downtown problem, we just don't have enough people living downtown, right? And if we can actually have people live downtown and give them a reason through programming to be downtown, we can create sustainable employment again downtown. It's that live, work, play environment. And that's really what we're after. We're just trying to create a space that Calgarians want to have for their city that they're proud of. And that they can also live and, and, and be entertained in. And so this is just one of those big pieces of that puzzle. When you, when you think through coupling the event center with our Arts Commons project that we're doing, 
thinking through how that all ties into a tier one convention city, that all matters to the local economy. Well, and I know I've talked to other guests about this. Just I've seen firsthand what the arena here has done in Edmonton. We're not even done yet because we still have the rest of the ice district blooming and developing. So it's exciting for Calgary because you have an older arena. It's time for a new one. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think most people agree with that. Um, it's been interesting, though, looking at sort of the polarization of this, because with the new deal, some people are saying that, well, this is great. We have the private sector paying more money into it, but others are saying that, well, this isn't as good of a deal as what we had in 2019. Why are we doing this now? So I guess someone that's been on the head of it, kind of what are your thoughts on that? It's a, it's a better deal. It's a better deal for citizens. It's a better deal for taxpayers. It's a better deal for people that say, uh, I'm never going to go to a concert and I don't like hockey. It's more than that. It's about the district. And when we think about our biggest issue in Calgary is expanding our tax base, not our tax rate. You need to stand up large scale infrastructure projects that attract the private sector to invest with you. This is more about the $3 billion of follow on capital coming into this district than it is about an extra $12 million going into a facility. You know, and for me, you know, I was, I was always steadfast that we stay true to our original 2019 agreement. And in that agreement, we had a, we had a provision for an overture of $12.5 million. Enacting that, I think, you know, for less than 1% of the overall cost of this project, I am not willing to have economic failure, downtown failure, um, you know, diversification failure happen because we didn't want to spend a little bit more money. I believe in the project. The project will pay off in the long run just with the facility itself. But, you know, when you think through how, we're bringing green line into the district and how we're going to move people in and out of here. We've now got a private sector partner who's bringing a rail line in from Calgary to downtown or from YYC to downtown to Banff, yep. you know, and a lot of people talk about, Oh yeah, it's great to see those things happen. But why haven't we incorporated green line with it? Like, it, you know, these conversations are just nonsensical to me when, you know, when you sit on the outside, it's great to criticize everything that's happening. But when you actually have a vision about how these things are all going to work together, well then that's where we're talking. Right. It's, it's about building a district and downtown assets that come together to revitalize our core, which we know is incredibly impactful to our tax base. And that's ultimately where this all came to. And I knew if we could have an anchor facility to do it where we weren't chasing, you know, a, a new facility again in the middle of a parking lot, but we could learn from jurisdictions, frankly, like Edmonton, Nashville, Columbus, Kansas City, places where they've changed uh, the entire makeup of a downtown all because they restructured it in a way that was beneficial to them and beneficial to growth. I got to say, you're probably the nicest guest we've had from Calgary to the city of Edmonton. I appreciate that. <laughs> Listen, my wife's from Edmonton. If I hack on it, I don't mm, get there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you've been awesome with your time. I don't want to keep you too, too much longer, but I uh, just want to touch on a couple more things before I let you go here. Sure. Um, so obviously we talked a little bit about the relationship with the province earlier. And one thing I'd kind of asked everybody about is the changes that have come to municipal funding with uh, the MSI and LGFF. Obviously, as you know, better than anybody, municipalities cannot run deficit budgets. We have to have a surplus and that didn't change throughout COVID. So I guess for yourself, uh, what is going to be the key to prioritizing making sure that we do have those surplus budgets? Well, I mean, I think what it boils down to is, again, you know, you've got to find ways locally that you're expanding your tax base, not your tax rate, right? So looking for those opportunities where we can invest. And, you know, a lot of people out there who run for election will be like, oh, we've got to cut spending. Spending is a big term. Spending is not something that we overdo in a municipality, given the fact that, honestly, we can't run a deficit, right? But what we have to look at is what are the outcomes we're driving towards, right? And think about how we make investments. You know, I invest in a lot of things personally. I invest in a lot of things to the city. The investment means the same thing to me. You expect a return on your investment. 
what is the outcome? It can be a social benefit, it can be an economic benefit, but there has to be an outcome that is beneficial to citizens. And so that's really what I look at doing, right? Like if you think of it even, you know, when we talk about partnership with the province, right? The film center here in Calgary and standing up film, but you know, Hollywood come back to Calgary has been a colossal undertaking. But it's a good example of exactly what we're talking about here, right? It requires partnership because you've got to have an incentive. Hollywood doesn't pay attention to you as a shooting jurisdiction if there's no incentive. So, so working with the provincial government over the last couple of years to ensure that we provide certainty and security back to our incentive program for Hollywood was incredibly important. Coupling to that is you got to have a talent base. You got to have experienced, incredible crews that can make, like, make the productions actually happen. Then you have to have tools and the event center is a good tool. When we, when we took back the keys to the event center here in Calgary, it, it was, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a failing warehouse, but it was on its way to being. And I convinced council to say, look, we've got an opportunity to actually build an industry here again. It's gonna take some heavy lifting. It's gonna take a lot of partnership, but the benefits are there if we can drive towards it. And you know that for us right now, like when we talk about MSI funding, of course municipalities want it, right? And, and I'm always going to advocate that the province give us our fair share back. But we've also got to find other opportunities. And so you know we're now at a stage with the film center where the city of Calgary has listed it for sale because it's not a business line we need to be in. It's something we should get out of. But what it highlighted to me is that if we can actually partner in industry with the provincial government, with the private sector, and create assets that are that define our jurisdiction as different than anywhere else and encourage business to come here. Well, that was last year, $180 million worth of impact. This year is going to be half a billion. And by selling the film center and working with the province to sustain the, the incentive program over the long term, that will be a billion dollar a year industry here in Calgary and Southern Alberta over the next two years. That's an incredible local impact, but it's an impact we had to make with or without MSI. So in a world where investment is hard, right? Tax dollars are limited. We have got to learn to compete differently and work with our partners differently to create opportunities that are beneficial to all citizens. Makes a lot of sense. And I guess one thing I'll leave you with then is we've talked a lot about business. We've talked about the economy. We've talked about the event center. We've gone to a lot of different things, but the one thing we haven't really talked about is kind of like the average Canadian, uh, average Calgarian, the average citizen that doesn't run a business and just kind of has their own job and lives in the city. So I guess for you, what's the big thing to make sure they're taken care of in all of this? You know, the best thing you can almost do as an elected official is to have them never complain and not even know you're there, right? That's how you know life is good. Uh, and I think, you know, we've had really good times here in Calgary before we've had really tough times. Our job is to continue to work through the tough times that are currently in front of us to get back to those good times. You know, Calgarians are, are good, honest, hardworking people, and they care deeply about their community. They care deeply about their family. They care deeply about their city and their province and their country. And, you know, that fundamentally is the goal. And when we think about, you know, all the nonsenses and nuances of, of politics in general, the goal we're after here is simple. People just want to live in Eden Door, right? It's, it's no more complicated than that. Our job is to just make life better each and every day for our citizens. And that's why it needs to matter in this election. You know, Calgary's at a very pivotal point, And I believe a lot of jurisdictions are. And we can either grow together and, and work towards prosperity again by moving forward. Or we can decay like Detroit. And it's a very clear path. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. And, you know, standing still in a rapidly changing environment is the same as going backwards. You know, the path for me is forward, right? I want to continue to build a great city. I had, like I say, 
the next generation depends on what happens here in the next five to 10 years. And if we don't get it right, we will lose everything we've worked hard for here in the city. Well, Jeff, I think that's as good a place to wrap up as any. Thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute blast chatting with you and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Thanks very much. Hope we get to chat again. For sure. Cheers. Cheers. Ha, ha, ha.